You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. I'm David Ramil, the host of Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Please make sure to follow the show if you haven't already, wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episodes. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS App Store and find one of our Locked On rooms, Locker Room, changing the way we talk about sports. The Heat are down 0-2 as they make their return to Miami, so I'll talk about the unspectacular play of Jimmy Butler and Bama DeBio, and I'll also address all my new and wonderful fans from the state of Wisconsin, nay, the world, about their continued assault on Twitter and how I will just never, ever recover. But to help me talk about the game itself, we were hoping to make this a mainstay of Miami's playoff run. I'm joined by my former co-host, the host of Locked On Warriors and a reporter with the Bay Area News Group. It's Wednesdays with Wes. Starring none other than Wes Goldberg. How are you, Wes? Um, I feel like I should apologize right off the top here because you and I discussed the possibility of me being a normal part of Lockdown Heat during this playoff run. And when we kind of locked that idea in, we decided, hey, let's start things off by recording after game one on Saturday afternoon. Right. And, and so we had planned that for a few days. Um, the, the, the heat lost game one, they go ahead and lose game two. And I feel like they basically haven't won a game after finishing the year. So strong have not won a game since you and I decided to, to talk again on this podcast. So oh, I don't even consider that. Is this the West jinx back in effect? It, I can't escape it. And I don't know what's going on. Like I leave, I leave locked on heat covering the Miami heat and they go to the NBA finals. I go to cover the Warriors, Steph Curry breaks his hand with it in the fourth game of the year, and they go out to one of their worst seasons ever. They win 15 games, don't even get to go to the bubble, you know. And uh, and this year they missed the playoffs for the second straight year. And you know, I said, okay, well, with that opportunity now that I don't have to cover the Warriors in the postseason, I would at least I, I want to be involved in the postseason. What better team to cover than the team I used to cover in Miami? And then we agree to that. And then the Heat go down 0-2 to Milwaukee, a team that they flatly demolished uh, in the postseason last year. So I'm not saying that the West Jinx is back. I'm saying it's never left. Like, yeah. it's never gone away. It it's just moves just with you. It, wherever I go, it, it comes along like Peter Pan's shadow, and it, I can't get rid of it. Well, I was going to be more like the episode of Seinfeld with the body odor. The, it's the B. It's the O without the B. Mm. That's better. Yeah. 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 The stench just never leaves no matter where you go. Uh, I might, I might have to pull a Costanza and then just do the opposite of everything I think I should do. And then maybe, maybe the O will leave. Yeah. Lean into it. I like it. I like it. Well, (laughs) the series, however, is not something I like. It's not gone the way anyone expected after a tight game one, the heat were blown out completely in game two. They just looked absolutely lost. This doesn't fall on any one player, Wes, or coach, but it's hard not to look at Jimmy Butler's performance as, as a big part of why Miami is down 0-2. After having a really rough game in game one, going 4 of 22, he follows that up with a 4 of 10 performance. It looked completely out of it, and certainly credit goes to Milwaukee's defense, and we can debate whether or not it's mostly about that defense or whether or not Jimmy's just not getting good looks or whether or not Eric Spolstra has something to do with it. But what do you make of Jimmy's performance so far? Because a lot of Heat fans are kind of jumping ship on Jimmy Butler, especially after what's been a phenomenal year and a half for him, or almost two full seasons with the Heat. He's been fantastic, carried the team to the finals, had some iconic performances in the NBA finals, and all of a sudden people seem to be giving up 
any kind of sense and belief or trust in what Jimmy can do. Uh, yeah, he Twitter is not a fun place right now. Um, you're Giannis, telling me, you're telling me, buddy. <laughs> Giannis has completely shut Jimmy Butler down. I mean, there's no getting around it, right? That's all there is to it here. Um, Giannis spent four minutes of one-on-one time against Jimmy Butler, almost 15 minutes uh, total uh, against him in double teams and, and triple teams and other ways. But uh, in those four minutes that he was covering Jimmy Butler one-on-one, Jimmy Butler got one shot off and he missed it. No assists, turned the ball over one time, got blocked one time. Um, that's very, very bad. I mean, it's one thing for Jimmy Butler to miss shots. It's another one completely to keep him from taking shots and getting other teammates involved. That is what Jimmy Butler does. He is the force that drives Miami's offense. And with Giannis on him, he's not full. He's not dictating pace whatsoever. And and Miami's offense stalled in game two. And, and um, this is a really big problem. I mean, that, that's basically 15 possessions that amounts to. And Jim Butler got one shot off, missed it, and no assists, and turned the ball over once. That's very, very bad. And Miami is going to have a really hard time winning games if Jimmy Butler is getting uh, basically shut down by Giannis. You know, I, I, I kind of see it. Yes, yeah, certainly Giannis plays a role. and That's not to deny what Adetokounmpo can do. But I, I just there have also been moments where he is – he just looks off in a way that's really surprising to me. And I hate to be so reductive uh, about his performance because it's not great, but he's missing like shots at the rim that he'd normally absolutely make pretty easily. He's not drawing the kind of contact he normally does. He's not getting to the foul line at all or, or very infrequently in comparison to what he was had been able to do over the last couple of seasons. And even when he's being guarded by smaller opponents, doesn't seem to have the same kind of lift or the same touch on his shot and I can't help but go back to the same issue. I, I don't necessarily think it's that initial defender, Anadokounmpo. To me, it's almost completely about Lopez. Uh, this That sheer presence, the fact that he is this big body in there that takes up so much space and has challenged so much of what Miami can do, not just Butler, obviously, but Adebayo and almost everybody else, just the, the nature of Miami's offense, getting to the rim, kicking it out, swinging the ball, finding those wide-open shooters, a lot of that is clogged up just by, by nature of what Lopez can do. And you have to give credit to Milwaukee's perimeter defense because even once he does drive, it's either turn the ball over, get blocked, or swing it out to the perimeter, and there's usually a Holiday or not a DeCumpo or a Chris Middleton or somebody along those lines who is willing to break up the passer and able to you know maybe even create a turnover that leads to a transition bucket. Uh, look, I... I don't know. I, I, I don't necessarily. So Brooke, Go ahead. I know Brooke Lopez. I'm glad you bring him up. He has been ridiculous in this series defensively. I mean, here are the numbers, David. I looked them up because um, it, it seemed like Miami just couldn't score every time Brooke Lopez was involved. Yeah. turns out that that's exactly the, the case. Uh, Brooke Lopez has defended 30 field goal attempts so far through the, the two games of the series. Uh, the Heat usually score in those situations near the rim. Um, in, where where Brooke Lopez is typically guarding guys, um, it's a little bit of a jumble jumbled stats. So I'm trying to like uh, distill it into the simplest terms, but uh, the Heat in those situations would typically shoot about 52. percent In those situations, being guarded by Brooke Lopez, they're guarding they're they're shooting 33.3 percent. That's a difference of 18.4 percent. The Heat are shooting 
0.4% worse in those situations while guarding being guarded by Brooke Lopez than they usually were in the regular season. That's awful. That's flat out terrible. Brooke Lopez is absolutely stonewalling Miami every, and Miami's offense is very much a drive and kick offense. It's not a drive and kick offense in the very classic high pick and roll, get to the basket, kick out the shooters, but uh, Spolster likes to get his guys going downhill. He likes his guys to drive and then set things up for everybody else. That doesn't work when Brooke Lopez is guarding the rim that way, right? They're just going to say, Hey, come on drive. We can have Brooke Lopez planted in the paint. We're not going to have to double or triple or, or collapse our defense. We can, we could stay guarded on your shooters. We could continue to face guard Duncan Robinson and deny him the ball and not worry about it. And Brooke Lopez is going to shut things down. That's exactly what he's done. The, the heat have no chance in this series if they can't get around Brooke Lopez and figure out how to either play him off the floor or, or just simply shoot better when, when they're being defended by him. Well, playing him off the floor kind of segues exactly towards my next topic. Uh, I mean, Jimmy, Jimmy's going to have to figure something out. I don't know. I don't know how Eric Spolster can incorporate Jimmy in a different way to maximize what he brings you. I, I think it's going to be, well, I think it falls mostly on this next heat player. I think it's up to bam to challenge Lopez more effectively for Spo to make the adjustments on the offensive end to put Bam in situations where he can create better looks against Lopez. Like Lopez is certainly a big body. He certainly has impacted Adebayo's mid-range shot or even the floater in the lane, the hook shot that we've seen from him on occasion. But there just haven't been those one-on-one opportunities that Adebayo should be able to take control of. This is a player mm-hmm. who is as quick and as strong as Adetokounmpo or anybody else in the league. This is a guy who can certainly go at Lopez, get into his chest, draw contact, get to the line, and be able to put up a shot at the rim. And we just haven't seen, or skirt around him. Like he just, he should be able to have those looks available to him. And he just hasn't. And I think part of that falls on Spolstra, which we'll get into later in the show. But as for Bam, what would you do to get Bam into more effective scoring opportunities? I think that's exactly it. He needs to be more aggressive, taking Brooke Lopez off the dribble. And doesn't look, he doesn't have to space Lopez out all the way to the three-point line, but just the mid-range area to create some sort of room in the paint, just a back channel, right, for Miami's cutters to work. Because Brooke Lopez right now is just planted. Yeah. And Milwaukee's defense operates that way. But Milwaukee, during the regular season, doesn't get to play a player with Bam Adebayo's offensive talent and skill set every single night. So Bam, if he gets that mid-range shot going, and that to me is just the most important part of Bam's game, is that 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 17, 18-footer from the free throw line extended. If he can get that falling more consistently, and just and by the way, just taking it more consistently when it's open, because they're just giving it to him. Right. They are just giving it to him. And that's why it's so glaring, is because he's just wide open and he's not even looking at the rim. Sometimes his body's not even facing the rim. He's just he's turning around, going into a dribble handoff right away. A dribble handoff that's often not there because Milwaukee's defenders are just, you know, uh, uh, stomach to stomach against Miami's shooters. So um, if he can get if he can get that mid range shot falling, demand that Brooke Lopez uh, respect him from and play up on him a little bit more. Then all of a sudden, you know, you're getting Brooke Lopez coming at you. You can take him off the dribble in that way or you're opening up things for some backdoor cuts with Jimmy Butler and all that stuff that he is so good at, which we just haven't really seen that much in this series because Brooke Lopez is just planted under the basket. So you're right. It all starts with Bam. It starts with Bam taking those those mid-range shots. And then once he starts getting that, the playmaking become, will become easier because then, you know, people are going to have to start crashing and helping on Brooke Lopez. And that's going to open up all that other stuff that Bam likes to get to. 
it kind of feels like if Bam, this is a series that if the Heat are going to win it, Bam is going to take control in Miami in game three. And if he can't, then I, I, I don't know how else the Heat get it done because it's just so much to ask Goran Dragic to just, you know, careen into Brooke Lopez over and over again for 25 points a night, right, off the bench. Or uh, Kendrick Nunn to sort of do the same thing and stop short and go to that little floater thing that he likes to do. Or for Jimmy Butler to just sort of muscle his way into 20 points, which he hasn't been able to do. And he's shooting 25% in the series for a reason. It starts with Bam. Uh, he's got to get going. And if he doesn't, then I don't know how Miami is able to, to come out on top of this series. Well, we'll talk a little bit more about some of the adjustments Eric Spolster can make in the next segment, and then I'll address all of Buck's Twitter following that. You're listening to Locked on Heat. Just a reminder that this episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. Locker Room is a perfect place to start or join conversations about the NBA. You'll find fans just like you on Locker Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and, of course, reacting to big news or rumors. You can even find Locked On hosts across the NBA, Major League Baseball, and NHL. I'll be joining the app soon, so be sure to get started, and I'll meet you there. Go download the free Locker Room app now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NBA group for the latest league updates. I know you'll find a ton of incredible rooms around your favorite teams and leagues. Download the Locker Room app today. Locker Room, changing the way we talk about sports. Here with Wes Goldberg, and we're talking about game two, the rest of the series against the Milwaukee Bucks, and what Eric Spolstra needs to do differently because we both see it as right now it's pretty dire. Obviously, uh, I think Milwaukee's feeling pretty confident about their chances. They did what they were supposed to, they protected the home court after a tight game one, they dominated in game two. Miami, I think, hasn't quite lost faith in themselves. That that was a, a pretty glum post-game presser i'll be honest with you after being demolished by that team I, I i think they they had serious questions about what to do next and some of that falls on eric spolstra we were talking before the break about bam at bio and getting him differently and obviously you and i both big supporters of what eric spolstra can do his ability to make adjustments and one of the big questions one of the big advantages that we both thought going into the series was Spo over Budenholzer, something that was evident last season, uh, and this has not been the case. I, it's just it feels like this is mostly about Budenholzer just having better personnel available to him than what Miami does. But right now, given the lack of quality personnel on the Heat roster, Eric needs to be able to make some kind of adjustments, and I'm just not sure what they are. We're talking about putting Bam in situations where maybe he'll be able to score, but you can get at Lopez. I mean, there are ways around it. I think a big part of it has just been. You know, look, there was a recent game uh, on May 10th, I want to say, against the San Antonio Spurs where they gave up 140-some points. I watched some of the film on that, and basically they were, they were attacking Lopez, but they had just enough bodies, long bodies, guys that were able to create contact, finish at the rim, or draw away players, from, or draw away Lopez from the rim, and then create mid-range opportunities for other guys like DeMar DeRozan. Clearly, that's one of his strengths and has been throughout his career. Miami just doesn't have anybody who's able to consistently knock down those mid-range shots because they have these longer defenders guarding almost everyone on that roster, and there just isn't anybody to take advantage of the opportunity. So what can Spolster do differently? And I know a big part of that is probably changing the starting rotation there. Mm-hmm. Who do you think should start in Game 3? you got to put Goran Dragic in the starting lineup for Kendrick Nunn 
uh, just asking Kendrick Nunn to do this at the postseason level. And I've been, I've, you know, obviously Kendrick Nunn's had a fine year for Miami. It's just, you got to put Goran Dragic in there. Uh, he's the guy that steps up. He's the guy that pushed you through the playoffs last year in the bubble. Uh, and if you start him, he actually was pretty good, uh, even being guarded by Drew Holiday. Like Dragic is just, just crafty enough to get by Drew Holiday, just patient enough, right? Because right. the thing with Drew, he's such a ridiculously good defender. He's so long. And when he puts the clamps on you, I think offensive players tend to panic and just get rid of the ball. Not but with Dragic, he's so patient that yeah. he's willing to just work it until he gets the shot he wants, even against Drew Holiday. Yeah. And so he shot 50% against Holiday. And he plays games. at his own pace, without a doubt. Right. And then he creates space. If he has to throw in the iron shoulder or he just shoves yep. you out of the way and gets that floater off in the paint, he can get it done. He has been for years now. He's not afraid of Drew Holiday. And that's what like that's the whole thing with this Heat team, right? That's how you were going to beat Milwaukee is just by not being afraid of them. That was sort of the bravado that they carried into the series. I don't think they still have that after being down 0-2. But Dragic is unafraid, and you need that in that starting lineup. And so I think you start him. Everything else I think you want to play the same. I know you and I on Lockdown NBA talked about potentially starting Dwayne Dedman. I wouldn't go to that right away. That would be something I would wait to see because you're in Miami. You're back on your home court. Can you push the tempo? Can you start making shots? Can Trevor Reza make threes in a way that he did in game one but didn't in game two? Uh, I think you wait to see if you could just kind of – blow the doors off with a three-point shot before you go to Dwayne Dedman early, especially because Dedman is so prone to fouling. Do you, I don't think you want to rush him into the game and then get him into foul trouble early on uh, and then just not have that option later in the fourth quarter if you need it and the rebounding thing becomes an issue. Uh, so I would start Dragic. That would be the only change I would make to the starting lineup. And then with Dragic in there, I would start pulling Brooke Lopez into pick-and-roll situations and getting his guy. So Bam is going to be the guy that Brooke Lopez is guarding. Can you just start running Dragic, Bam, high screen and roll right in the middle of the floor? And when you do that with Giannis now guarding Jimmy Butler one-on-one, what that does is it takes Giannis out of the equation as a help defender, right? And that's why Boonholzer was so reluctant to do it last year is because Giannis is so valuable as a help defender. Giannis is not a help defender in this series. Spo right. needs to figure out a way to take advantage of that. And the way to take advantage of that is just running things into the middle of the floor and having Jimmy Butler, weirdly enough, space the floor, right? And maybe he's a, a decoy or something else, but somewhere out on the wing. And then if if you're – and with Dragic, with that mid-range shot that he has, if Brooke Lopez is going to – in a high screen and roll, if he's not going to come up and guard, then Dragic is going to have that mid-range shot over and over again. If, if Brooke Lopez does come and hedge and try to guard, then you got Drew Holiday on a switch – on Bam Adebayo. And again, I think Drew Holiday is an awesome defender, but Bam is much bigger. And now you're opening things up to Bam where he could potentially take Drew Holiday into the post, uh, demand some help defense so he can kick out to Duncan Robinson or Jimmy Butler or Trevor Ariza, or he can just score over Drew Holiday or just go right into, again, into that little free throw extended shot over Drew Holiday. As long as Drew Holiday is, I don't think he's got the length to, to consistently defend that mid-range shot from Bam Adebayo if he's aggressive with it. So that's what I would do. I would start Dragic, start running a bunch of screen and rolls, and take advantage of the fact that you don't have to worry about Giannis as a help defender in this series right now. You mentioned Goran not being scared. And maybe, again, that's kind of overstating things a little bit because I don't know that all these guys or any of these guys really are scared of Bucks players per se. But I think the question, or at least the the feeling from a lot of Heat fans, is that Bam is, and I have to say, I I, I really dislike the conversation about Adebayo all season long. It's been very difficult. He signs that extension in the off season, 
and everybody immediately starts to think of him and the view, the lens through which he's viewed changes because I've brought it up a number of times on the podcast, but it feels like now we're starting to go into Tyler Johnson, you know, territory or Joe Johnson territory, where it's like all of a sudden the contract defines who that player is prior to that, especially after his performance at the bubble last year, everybody was really gung ho about Bam. He was a hell of a defender, great passer, a capable scorer who has, Again, no ceiling. He's a guy who can reach an, a, a yet-to-be-determined level or, or potential. And then all of a sudden, the contract comes into play, and all of a sudden, again, the context changes for how you view Bam. And I won't go so far as to say that he's scared, but there is a apprehension there about him and when he gets that shot off. Do you see that as well? I don't know that it's an apprehension to score, necessarily. I don't know that he's afraid of this matchup. I think he's having a hard time figuring out where he fits in. When is it time to take over? And this is such a hard thing. Both by the he way, and Jimmy. Both he and out. Jimmy. Yeah. Jimmy I mean, Butler too. Absolutely. Cover Draymond. You cro- you cover Draymond, yeah. and, he, and that's a big part of it. So I, I'm glad you're bringing in that. Well, Draymond of- just can't shoot, though. Right. That's a big part of Draymond's thing is he he has a really hard time scoring even when he is aggressive. Like, he has no touch. Bam has touch. Jimmy Butler has touch. Right? These guys can shoot. They, these guys could score. We've seen it. I think if Draymond at this point in his career, if he tried to go out and score 20, I don't know that he could. You know? Uh, Bam and Jimmy, if they wanted to go out there and score 30, I think absolutely they could. But what they're trying to do is balance these other things because they're really the only playmakers, them and Dragic, and Dragic has been coming off the bench. Um, they're really the only playmakers. So maybe that's the one, the other added benefit of starting Goran is, hey, he's the point guard. He's the playmaker. Let Bam and Jimmy cook, right? If, if you start Goran, then it's not completely on Jimmy and Bam to get their teammates involved in the way that it is without Dragic in the starting lineup. And so maybe that's another part of that adjustment. Yeah. Um, but I thought it was pretty interesting um, in the post-game uh, Zoom calls with Miami uh, where Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo both in their own ways basically said, uh, we got to take over earlier. Yep. Um, Bam said something like he needs to pick his spots. Jimmy Butler said that it's tough to balance and they're trying to figure it out. Yep. Um, that to me shows that there was a conversation between them and Eric Spolstra and that there is an acknowledgement that that needs to happen. And so I'd be really surprised if, in game three if that didn't happen. Right. Where it's just, hey, maybe maybe it's maybe that balances making your presence felt early, dictating terms early, having Milwaukee react to you. And then you get to your other teammates involved. Right. Like if Bam and Jimmy come out and score 10 points apiece in the first quarter, just imagine how much easier their playmaking would be for quarters two and three. And then they can retake the game over in quarter four if they have to. Right. Like, and I think maybe that's part of what they're doing. And it's just so hard. With And the thing with Bam, to go back to him specifically, this is what we saw with Nikola Jokic and Denver fans for so many years. And oh, yeah. Jokic now is an MVP candidate putting up 30 points a night. It just takes a while for these guys to figure it out, especially when their first instinct is not take over. The, Bam has never been at any level in his career a take over the game and score a bunch of points type player. High school, college, you name it. He's never been that player. And so it's not fear. It's just uncomfort. It's trying to figure out where, how to pick his spots and not losing his identity, identity, the thing that made him the 13th pick in the draft and an all-star in Miami. Why would you want to lose that identity all of a sudden and just become this volume scorer? It's, it's tough to, to, to hit that balance. But when you do, you mentioned Bam's um, unmeasurable ceiling. When you do that, when, he do, when that thing, when it finally clicks, if it clicks for Bam, like the ceiling is Jokic. Right. Like that's the ceiling. We're seeing it happen right now for the Nuggets uh, when when you can incorporate all that playmaking and all that stuff. Um, but be patient with him. Let's watch it. This is 
this could be very pivotal in Bam's career. This this series right now, what we're seeing in this postseason, could be extremely beneficial and pivotal to take for Bam to take that next level. We're all waiting for it. Bam's got to do it, but it's much easier said than done. As far as the rest of the rotation and how that shakes out, like I, I feel like there are there are issues there. Like Kendrick has shown that he is probably not equipped to be a full-time starter in the NBA mm-hmm. after some successful weeks there during the end of the regular season. He's been reduced to basically, I think, playing himself out of the kind of contract he had hoped he would be able to generate based on those last few weeks. And it's a point that I've made on a number of occasions. We all know who Kendrick is. Some great weeks in uh, March and April doesn't change who he has been over the first two years of his career. And he's probably not going to be able to become a star anywhere else. Like he just does not have that capacity, I think. But I'm a little surprised at Tyler Hero. I think the conversations, again, it can get really reductive when it comes to Hero. Uh, Bucks fans, not a big fan of his because, well, he's from the state of Wisconsin. And obviously he chose to go to the Kentucky instead. Uh, I know there's an issue there, but he just, he does look very uncomfortable. He has not been able to get a lot of playing time. And I think a big part of that is just the defensive liabilities there. I'd like to see if maybe... Tyler can get into that offense a little bit more. Like if we're talking about now that Bam and Jimmy can create their own offense early on, which makes it easier for everybody else. Once you stagger their minutes later on and then you get Tyler into that game, he should be able to get more wide open looks from the perimeter. If you have to worry about Jimmy and and Bam getting their shots pretty easily. Yeah. I saw somebody on Twitter. I wish I remember who it was, but it was somebody that I follow and I'm sure you follow, um, but said that Miami needs that Chris Middleton type of skill set. And as long as they don't have that, they're not, they're not going to go anywhere. That's supposed to be Tyler Hero, right? That That's that skill set, that uh, offensively, that ability to just kind of pull up in that mid-range, that that ability to be unafraid. I mean, you look at the, the game winner Middleton hit in game one, that's the kind of shot that Hero was making in last year's playoffs, right? Like just doesn't matter what the coverage is. He's just going to rise up and he's going to drain a shot right in your face. And it's going to just be debilitating for you if you're, if you're a defense, um, uh, heart-wrenching, whatever. Um, I think that if those guys can get going and Jimmy and Bam and Dragic in the starting lineup and stuff, then Tyler Hero will be like the main benefactor of all of that, right? Is it, once everything else starts moving a little bit smoothly, uh, Tyler Hero, I think you'll see him kind of get unlocked a little bit and, and, and that offense start to come a little bit easier for him. I haven't given up on him. I think coming back to Miami is going to be really helpful for guys like Hero, where you're back on your home floor, familiar territory, role players tend to play better at home, et cetera. Um, I would, I'm actually expecting a big night from Tyler hero because there's no real reason for him. Like we can name the reasons, right? Why, why Bam is having a hard time, why Jimmy is having a hard time, but like Giannis isn't guarding Tyler hero, right? Brooke Lopez isn't Tyler hero's problem. Tyler hero is Tyler hero's problem right now. He's just not making shots. I think back in Miami, he'll start making shots. That's just a prediction. Um, but if he does like, that's the sort of element that this team needs and it starts to loosen things up for everybody else. And, um, you know, and, and obviously that would be good. The big question, does Miami still have a chance in this series? We'll talk about it in the next segment. I'm here with Wes Goldberg, and you're listening to Locked on Heat. Let me tell you a little bit about Belt Bar, the best-tasting protein bar ever. Nine delicious flavors. You don't even know you're eating a protein bar. So many great flavors, combinations that you can incorporate into a build-your-own-box. The best thing about them, they're all covered in 100% chocolate. They're all soft and easy to chew. Again, you don't even know you're eating a protein bar, but they've got all the nutrients you're looking for if you're trying to indulge in a delicious snack. If you're weight-conscious or you don't want to necessarily uh, get anything with too heavy or with too many calories, then Built Bar is the one for you. And again, you can't give up that great taste, and you never have to with Built Bar. 
again, so many delicious flavors. Build your own box. I, that's the feature I think I love the most, where you can just get a combination of different flavors, give them away to coworkers, family members, etc. And right now, if you go to builtbar.com, use the promo code LOCK15, you'll get 15% off your first order. Use the promo code LOCK15 at builtbar.com. And when you're done saving a little money at Built Bar, make sure you make even more money by joining Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing. You can track all the action at Bet Online, but there's tons of sports action with the start of the new WNBA season, the NBA playoffs, NHL, and much more. Head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news they have sign up bonuses, contest information, and so much more. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the NBA playoffs head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online your online sportsbook experts don't forget to use the promo code locked on so wes down two games to none go back to Miami you get a little home cooking hopefully uh, a little bit more comfort 17,000 fans expected in the I think it's still the American Airlines Arena I can't remember anymore if it's still being called that by the team or not but it should be a large home crowd the biggest crowd they've had since last March when of course the the pandemic forced the NBA into a hiatus and now all of a sudden you're going to get playoff action for the first time in a year and a half uh, a finals run that wasn't witnessed by fans live, of course. And now all of a sudden you're going to have guys like Hero, Goron, Jimmy, Bam, etc. playing in front of a, a large home crowd. Does Miami still have a chance in the series? Because my tendency is to think not. And yet I know they can win two games at home. And I think it's obviously dependent on whether or not they're able to figure out some of the things that we're talking about. If they can find ways of minimizing Lopez's impact, if they can kind of keep guys like Adetokounmpo and Holiday away from having big scoring nights, if they can change some of the things in their favor, if they can get some more production from guys that haven't been able to step up so far, I think Miami could absolutely tie the series. Not to, you know, Shaquille O'Neal certainly seems to think so, but he's not exactly the best uh, <laughs> expert when it comes to uh, the, the current state of the game right now. But overall, though, I, I like Miami's chances, but I, I just, I'm also, they just, the way they responded in game two was so atypical for this team because I thought they would go into game one knowing that they had to steal that game, that they had to win that opportunity that they would be ready and prepared and it certainly looked that way they held milwaukee to a historically bad shooting night then they also are shooting afternoon and then they were you know within two points of a game one went one victory and then in game two milwaukee rightfully recognizes that the momentum is theirs to kind of take over and dominate miami just didn't seem to have any answers and again a lot of that pressure falls on eric spolstra a lot of the questions whether or not eric is mm -hmm. finding ways of getting this team going now you go back home you get three days off in between games this is clearly a must-win situation for the heat what do you think of miami's chances in the series moving forward i mean it, this is it right game it comes down to game three if they don't win this game then you know you're at best you're going back to milwaukee down three one yeah. right so uh, Gentlemen, sleep, sweep at best, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is it. So uh, you have to win not one, but both of these games in Miami. And uh, I think that he can do it. I, I, as much as they got killed in game two, it's still just one loss. 
weirdly in this series, three point shooting has been a huge sort of uh, variable, right? In I think in Miami's favor in game one, even though they lost, and then very clearly in Milwaukee's favor in game two, you wonder if that that three point variable becomes less of a variable in these other games. If things start to normalize a little bit, I just can't imagine three point shooting. I know it's a three point shooting league, but it's just the extremes to which it played a factor. I can't see that happening every single night. I mean, that would just be bananas, right? If it was, if it was that much of a discrepancy every single night, I feel like things will just smooth out at some point. Um, Milwaukee. Now your role players are on the road, right? Does Bryn Forbes do what he did in game two in game three in Miami? Uh, do you get those sort of contributions? I still think that the Bucks have some weaknesses that can very quickly sort of that weren't issues in games one and two become an issue in game three. The fact that they only have three guys who you trust in the final five minutes of a game, right? The fact that uh, Brooke Lopez can get played off the floor, even though he wasn't in the first two games. Um, there's just, there's a lot, there's a lot there that Miami can exploit. And so you're absolutely right when it's down to, when it comes down to Eric Spolster, it also comes down to Jimmy and Bam to set the tone early, like we were talking about, but the, this is the circumstance in which they'll do it. I mean, thank goodness they're coming back to Miami because otherwise, you know, I know this is the playoffs work, but they would have no shot. Um, this is, this is the game that could swing uh, or could at least, you know, nudge the series back into Miami's direction a little bit. I still have no reason even after getting blown out in game two to believe that Miami has no chance. I mean, look, Milwaukee was the higher seed. They've been the better team all season long. And in many ways they are the better team. The fact that they've won, they won the first two games on their home court and as hungry as they were to show themselves after last year's playoff series shouldn't surprise anybody, right? If you went into before the series, you said, Hey, Milwaukee's going to go up 2-0. I don't think anybody would be shocked and say, Hey, well, then Miami's got no chance. No, Milwaukee took care of business on their home floor. This is why the playoffs work this way. Miami has a chance to take care of business on their home floor. They just have to do it now. And I don't think it's impossible. I think they absolutely could do it. Yeah. It's almost like they, they achieved the bare minimum. Uh, they won at their home floor. Yeah. They they won the games against an opponent that they really were looking forward to, that their ownership group has said already that they really wanted to face, and that you know excise all the demons from the last postseason. Uh, well, now they're getting their opportunity, and we'll see how both teams respond on Thursday night. Of course, I'll be here to give you a recap of the game. Wes, clearly you've got the guts. Uh, tell my listeners where they can follow you, and if you've got anything else that you want to plug. Uh, follow me at WC Goldberg. Still doing shows over on Lockdown Warriors if you're inclined. But for the purposes of this show, uh, I'll, unless the Heat bow out early and I've completely jinxed this thing, I'll continue to do these appearances with you, David, as long as you'll have me. And then catch us over at Lockdown NBA every Tuesday morning. Yeah, I think this is probably the last one, to be honest with you. You're, 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 you're bad juju, man. Sorry. You brought the O without the B. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I deserve that. Special thanks, of course, to Wes for joining me on today's show. Now is the time, the inenviable time, where I have to address my new fans over in all of Bucks Nation, Deer Nation. I'm not quite sure what it is that you call yourselves there, but uh, now that I'm looking at it, though, I just realize I don't have the time. So thanks so much for listening and downloading the episode. I really appreciate all of your support. Of course, you continue to follow me on Twitter or you can follow me on iTunes or Odyssey or wherever you get podcasts. Make sure you subscribe. And you can always send me an email at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com or via Twitter using the hashtag AskAllHeat. Special thanks to all of our sponsors for supporting the show. And thanks to all of you, especially you lovely fans over in the city of Milwaukee. I'm David Ramil signing off for now. <laughs>